Hey, welcome to the Sermonary Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Taylor, and I'm here with John Stange. John is an author, a podcaster, a blogger, a, uh, a pastor, uh, as well as a church planner. He's done all of these different things. He's a mentor. He's a speaker. Uh, he leads church planners. And we invited him on the podcast today because he's got a new book coming out uh, that uh, is called Dwell on These Things, and it's being released in May. But the content of this book is one I think is really, really important for pastors to consider and to think about. And John has some really applicable uh, things to talk to us about today. So John, one, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Josh. It's great to be here. So we're so glad to have you. And uh, I would love for you to just tell us, one, uh, tell us a little bit about you. What, what is your background? What are you, uh, you're involved in all of these different things. So tell us more about that. And then I want to talk more about the book and why you decided to write a book like this. Sure. Uh, yeah, for the past 23 years, I've been a full-time pastor and was a part-time youth pastor uh, prior to that. And um, and right now, uh, my family, we live in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. In 2008, we moved here to plant a church. So I serve at Core Creek Community Church, and uh, we've been here for uh, about 13 years now. And that feels like it's gone by in like five minutes. <laughs> it's been very quick. And, uh, but we have, uh, my wife and I, we have four children, two are in college, two are in high school. And uh, in addition to my pastoral ministry, like you mentioned, I write books, I host podcasts, and I do a variety of, of uh, leadership training events and, and uh, webinars and things of that nature uh, with church leaders really throughout the country. And now, I guess, uh, to some degree, because of the internet around the world, even though I'm not doing a lot of traveling right now. And, um, but it's, it's really great to be with you guys today. Well, again, we're so glad that you're here and, uh, You've one. I, w- I want to make sure our listeners know how to get in touch with you. We're going to talk about that at the end because you have some great resources on your website, some free books and things that they can download uh, that I think would be really helpful resources for our audience. Uh, but you've got this book that, uh, that 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 you've written called "Dwell on These Things." And tell me a little bit about this book. Why did you decide to write a book like this? And and why is this a a, a subject that's passionate uh, for you? Yeah, it's one of the things that I've noticed over the course of the the time that I've been serving in ministry is that I can be harder on myself than anyone else. So there's plenty of criticism that you deal with in ministry. There's plenty of criticism I think we we in general deal with in life, but I I never dealt with as much criticism as I did prior to becoming a pastor than I have since becoming a pastor. Everybody has an opinion about every single thing that you do, and I've noticed that I can either buy into that or I can preach a helpful message to my heart. And so one of the things over the past few years that the Lord's really been impressing upon my heart is the importance of preaching the gospel to myself. Because I spent a lot of time preparing sermons. I spent a lot of time teaching, uh, hosting Bible studies, doing all sorts of things where I'm trying to communicate the hope that we have in Jesus Christ to other people. But it became clear to me some years ago that I wasn't spending anywhere near enough time reminding myself of that same message. I have more opportunity to preach to my own heart than I will ever have to preach to anybody else. And uh, so over the past few years, I've really been making a concerted effort to preach the gospel to my heart so that my mind will dwell on the hope that I have in Jesus Christ, because I believe that that's ultimately a a remedy for uh, just the, the 
the arrows that tend to come at you and, and all the critique and criticism and the self-doubt and all the things that we wrestle with in our own mind. And truthfully, I think I criticize myself more than any other person has ever criticized me. And, uh, and so in the book, dwell on these, uh, in the book, dwell on these things, we're, we're talking about the idea of, of really experiencing a change of life by changing what you preach to your heart. And, um, and just reminding yourself regularly, as often as you can, of the hope that we have in the gospel. The subtitle of it is the idea of taking 31 days to talk to yourself like God talks to you. That's great. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had Jack Hester on the, epi- on the podcast, and one of the things that we talked about was the importance of pastors taking a sabbatical, because what he noticed in his research as he was studying for his PhD and, and focused on pastoral burnout is the two occupations with the highest burnout rate are nurses and pastors. Would you think that the, that's the case because pastors struggle on how do we deal with the criticism criticism that's constantly coming at us uh, from uh, a lot of different sides and maybe even from people who we we consider friends and 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 close uh relatives even uh, of the of the constant um criticism that we might get in the role that comes with being a pastor yeah i think that that's one of the the major causes because so often what we'll end up doing, if we're not preaching the gospel to our hearts regularly, and if our mind isn't dwelling on the hope that we have in Christ in, in some very applicable ways, what we'll end up doing is we'll try to wrap our sense of identity around what people's opinion of our performance as a pastor happens to be. And that's not where our sense of identity or our sense of value Uh, should come from. You know, when we look at the things that it tells us in Ephesians chapter one, it tells us all sorts of things that are eternally true of us in Christ, that we are holy and blameless in the eyes of God, that we are adopted into the family of God, that we are loved far beyond what we could even imagine that we are loved. And that's not a message we tend to preach to our hearts in those moments where we're feeling low. And I do believe it leads to burnout. I I believe it leads to discouragement. Even the guys that stay in the ministry for a long time, some of them are doing so primarily out of a sense of duty or obligation, but not also get to experience, they're not also experiencing the joy that they should also be experiencing as they serve in their role. It's like they're robbing themselves of joy because of the message that they're preaching to their heart along the way. So that's a really interesting point that you, you've made. And, and honestly, I think I have about three questions that I want to ask you. So I'm going to try to ask them in the right order here. But, you know, pastors are, we're so good at preaching the gospel to other people. We get up Sunday after Sunday and we preach the gospel and we preach these messages. We do counseling uh, to call the gospel people, uh, the gospel out in people and preaching that and reminding them of the gospel in their own lives. Why do you feel like pastors might not be really good at doing this for ourselves? Most pastors that I've interacted with through the years are, are people that have a humility to them and a, an others-centered mindset and an other, you know, a desire to serve other people and they're just not self-focused people. And so that's a good thing. But unfortunately, what we'll, what we'll do is we'll spend all our energy and all our time trying to refresh other people and trying to serve other people, but then almost act as if it's selfish for us to actually spend a little time making that kind of investment in our own mind or in our own faith. And so I think that that 
probably factors in at least to some degree, just this idea of, of you know, wanting to stay focused on others and, and not wanting the focus to be on us. I, I think that's so true. The uh, one of the things that we talk about a lot on the the podcast, and and honestly, we've we've tried to create resources within seminary that really help pastors focus on self care. I, I think it's something that we don't think about a lot, especially as pastors. When we go into Barnes and Noble, it's almost like we avoid the self help section. And and honestly, the older that I get and the more m- mature uh, that I become, I find helpful resources in in those places. You know, there's obviously some things that you need to stay away from that aren't really helpful. Uh, but I think personal development and personal growth is really, really important. And it's something that a lot of pastors neglect in their life. Uh, where, I, where I would love to go is, uh, I have, still have a couple of questions that, that, that I, I think are really relevant. One is really practical. How do we do this? But before we get to that, one of the things that I wonder is, you know, you talk about us separating our identity uh, from what we do. And I think that that's a, a struggle with just human beings in the first place. The first question that we ask people when we meet them is, what do you do? And so we struggle to to not find our identity in our occupation. And I think with pastors, it may be even more of a struggle because this is a calling that we have. And maybe when if we ever were to walk away from the role as a pastor for whatever reason, we struggle to let go of that identity. I know I did. When I resigned from full-time ministry uh, to pursue being a professor and uh, my own business, it was weird for a little while. And, and honestly, I put it off doing it for a while simply because it was weird for me not to uh, identify myself as a pastor. And I know other people, I have a very good friend of mine that's a, that's a counselor that when she resigned and to to be a mom and to be a wife and and really to do self care because being a counselor is, is a hard job and it was affecting her emotionally and mentally and in her heart and so she needed to step away for a little while she said the hardest part of that was not being able to tell people that that's what she does for a living and so why do you think it is and and how do we do this how do we as pastors separate our identity from our role as a pastor, and why should we do that? Yeah, I, I always think of it in the through the lens of a uh, baseball player or a football player, in the sense that you know if you're if you're really really good at playing baseball or really good at playing football, you might have a career that stretches into your 30s, maybe your late 30s, or if you're Tom Brady, maybe into your mid 40s. I I don't know how he's doing that, but somehow he's doing that. But every but people look at that as an anomaly, right? So if he makes it two more years and then retires, okay, he's going to be in his mid forties. Well, then what are you going to do with the next half of your life? Right? So if your identity is wrapped up in something that isn't going to be eternally true of you. So if 10,000 years from now, what your, what your identity or what you're wrapping your identity up in, if it won't be true of you 10,000 years from now, it shouldn't be what your identity is wrapped up in today either, because eventually it's going to change. So I, like I said, I've been pastoring for 23 years, but I know I will not always be a pastor. Either I'm going to retire or I'm going to die or I'm going to change careers. But I know 10,000 years from now, I'm not going to be a pastor. <laughs> so my identity should not be wrapped up in whether or not I serve in this role. It's a temporary stewardship, and it's not something that has anything to do with an eternal truth. Eternal truths, you know, when you look at what Scripture teaches us about about who we are, these are things that never change. 
something that's never going to change, something that's uh, part of my identity because I'm anchored to Christ, because I'm united with Christ. And so if I'm, if I'm living life with an understanding that I am united to Christ, I can go through life replacing feelings of discouragement with a sense of God's goodness, because my value isn't tied to a temporary stewardship. My value isn't tied to something that I do for a season of time as an act of faithfulness to the Lord, but it's not my identity. It's not where my value is derived. I am united to Christ. I'm called to abide in Christ. And if I can find my sense of, of value through that and look at myself the way he's looking at me, I think that that makes a huge difference in what I start preaching to my own heart. So I think, I guess one of the dangers of not being able to separate your identity from your role as a pastor is if God does call you to do something else, how difficult is it going to be for us to walk away uh, from that role? If our, if our identity is wrapped up in that role and what we do, you know, how, how quickly can we move directions and change directions when God calls us to do it? When we are when wrapped up in, in, in things that are not our identity. So I, I love that. Uh, you talked about preaching the gospel to yourself. And so let's talk application. Let's talk practical. What does it look like for a pastor to do that? And I think that this is uh, not just uh, helpful for pastors to do for themselves, but obviously this is a, a tool that they could use when they're counseling with people, when they're, when they're working with people that are dealing with self-doubt or insecurities or even depression, uh, to remind them to preach the gospel to themselves. But how do we do that? And how do pastors practically apply this uh, to their lives? Well, I think part of it is coming to the understanding that the gospel isn't just something for unbelievers. I think a lot of times people think, yeah, when, when I'm talking about preaching the gospel, I guess I'm just talking about uh, sharing the message of salvation with those who as of yet don't know Christ. And it's like, well, yeah, that's, that's an element of the gospel, but the gospel is something that over the course of our lives, we're to continue to dwell on and think about and, and, and really focus on. And so part of the application of the gospel, the good news, is the fact that we're a new creation in Christ. And so when the Father looks at you as a new creation in Christ, he sees you a very specific way. And again, I, I referenced it earlier, but it's one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 1 lists so many different things that, that are true of us forever where you know the Father looks at us a very specific way because of our union with Christ. And so when you're talking about this idea, when you're asking me, like, practically speaking, what does it look like for somebody to start actually preaching the gospel to their own heart? I think a big part of it is practice seeing yourself in the loving way that God sees you, according to what he actually says in his word. Because so often, I know as a pastor, you know, I'll encourage our church not to adopt a worldly mindset. And then I, I, I look at some of the things that I have criticized myself for or ways that I've been so harsh on myself. And I think that does not reflect the heart of God. And it doesn't reflect what it tells me in scripture is true. So why am I preaching this message to my own heart? Why am I being so discouraging or so down on myself? And I get to the point where I realize, okay, I am not applying the gospel to my heart right now. I need to get right back to that. I need to practice seeing myself in the loving way that God sees me according to what his word actually says so that I don't adopt a worldly mindset. And I think sometimes it's just a matter of calling that out, but also it, it might even be helpful, you know, for, for, for some people to just 
just read through that chapter, read through Ephesians 1 over and over and over again so that it just becomes second nature to call it to mind so that it's not something that you have to think, well, what does it actually say in that portion of Scripture? Just have it in mind so that in those moments of, of um, you know, negative self-talk or in those moments of, of worldly self-doubt or, you know, however we want to phrase it, when those moments come of, of just being overly critical and unhelpful to ourselves, that we can refresh our minds and refresh our hearts by preaching the same gospel that we would preach from the pulpit to our own hearts in those low moments. I think a great example of this would be looking at the relationship of David and Saul, and obviously a difficult relationship uh, once uh, David was anointed as king. But uh, you know, David even let Saul know, your, your life is basically in my hands. I, I could have killed you if I wanted to. And at the end of Saul's life, uh, when, when Saul dies, I mean, David is broken. He, he writes a psalm. Uh, about Saul and Saul and Jonathan and, and just how great a men that they were and and even towards the end of David's life he invites Saul's grandson uh, to one take all of the land that belongs to Saul and then he gives Saul uh, uh, Saul's grandson a seat at uh, the king's table and so I believe that that's the way that Jesus looks at us and so I love the way that you put it that you know we need to look in Ephesians and look what Paul says of here are your eternal. Uh, things that identify you. These are the things that you need to remind yourself of. This is the way that God sees you. And, you know, the world may see you differently. The people in your church may see you differently. Your friends may see you differently when you make different decisions, uh, especially now when, when we're dealing with uh, pandemics and, 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 and decisions that we have to make even within the church. There's no right decision. And so uh, what would you say to the, to the pastor right now who's dealing with that, the pastor who is struggling with a lot of criticism? Maybe he's making, having to make a lot of decisions that are just not really popular with, with specific people in the church. Uh, the one who's struggling with self-doubt, the one who's struggling with imposter syndrome, what if they, what if they one day figure out that I'm, I'm, I'm just a, a, a phony or I'm not uh, as confident as uh, as I seem to be, what, you know, what if they find me out? What would you say to the pastor that's dealing with these things that are common for pastors to deal with? And how would you speak to his heart uh, to to encourage him and to remind him of God's word in his life? I, I would say, first of all, in in addition to refreshing your heart with the truth of the gospel, I would also say be very intentional to surround yourself with some people who don't need you to lead them, who will also refresh you with those things. Because maybe right now you're having a hard time hearing your own voice communicate these things to your heart. Maybe you're at a weak spot. So this is a great opportunity then for another brother in Christ to, to help hold up your arms right now. I, I have a couple people in my life that are my go-to with that. Uh, other, other friends in ministry that, uh, that I'm able to go to and just share a burden with. And I've noticed just in my own self that I feel overly anxious when I try to do too much by myself, when I'm trying to carry things by myself or just keeping things in mind and in heart that really I just need to confess to somebody or just share or unload whatever word you want to use and then allow them to react to it. 
because they aren't going to speak to you the way that you're speaking to yourself. Your trusted confidants are not going to do that. And, and if you're having a hard time hearing your own words right now, if you're having a hard time, you know, really, uh, uh, you know, communicating something to your own heart that you need to hear, find those people that you can trust completely that are willing to do that with you, but then also take, take the risk to be transparent with them, to let them know what you're actually struggling with, because they're not going to know how to pray for you. And they're not going to know what to say to you if you're not transparent with them. You have to be honest with them. So Viktor Frankl was a Jewish philosopher that lived through the Holocaust. And one of the things that he talked about, he was, he was contending with, with Sigmund Freud at the time. And Sigmund Freud was saying that for, for human beings to find purpose in life, they needed pleasure. They needed to experience pleasure. And Viktor Frankl would contend with that and say, no, what they need is meaning. And the way that they find meaning is through three things. Uh, it's through um, a, a project to work on and a redemptive perspective on your suffering, as well as a community of people who love you no matter what. And I think that third one, I mean, all three of those are biblical principles, but that third one, I think is probably one that pastors may struggle with the most is because, you know, we struggle to have really close friends. We struggle to have people that we can be ourselves around and let our hair down and and be honest with, uh, because we don't know who we can trust. We don't know who's out to get us. We don't know who's going to use the things that we say against us. And But we need that. We need that community of people who love us in spite of our flaws, who love us uh, and, and want to help us be better, who we can be comfortable letting our hair down and being who we are uh, so that we can become better. And I, I think I think what you're saying just, just makes so much sense. So tell me, how can people connect with you? What's the best way for people to get resources and just plug in with what you're doing? The, the best way people could connect with me is through my website, which is desirejesus.com. And on the website, they'll even see, I, I have a book there that they can grab for free if they'd like. It's called The Mind of Christ, and they're welcome to download that for free if they'd like. And, and then Dwell on These Things comes out May 25th, and so we're, we're hopeful that, that people will find it helpful in their walk with Christ. That's why it was written. But, but yeah, I'd love to hear from, from some of your listeners. And, and again, they could just reach out via uh, desirejesus.com. Well, awesome, John. Thank you so much. The book is called Dwell on These Things, and this is your 23rd or 24th book that you've written, and we're so glad that you were on the show. We're going to put the the link to purchase the book in the show notes of the podcast. Uh, We're also going to put the link to get uh, to your website so that we can check out those resources if you're interested in in bringing John in to speak uh, to a group of leaders or to your staff. Uh, whatever it might be, you can, you can get that there as well. But John, thank you again so much. Congratulations on your book coming out May 25th. And we look forward to getting a copy of that. Josh, thank you so much for the invitation. It was great to be with you. Awesome.